0: Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host as usual and as also usual I've got Phil and Jez with me to discuss the weekend's action. How are we doing? What evening everybody. Not bad. Good. Uh, Jez, you're I presume sort of hoping that Brighton make your weekend slightly better than it was last night, I guess. Yes, in theory. More, more on that later and, and some interesting decisions in that game. But yeah, we'll come on to that later on. Uh, right. We are going to start by winding the clock all the way back uh, to when I hear you all shout. Maybe not, but uh, we're going to rewind the clock to last week's European action. Um, I'll apologise in advance to Marseille and Nice fans uh, and Rennes fans. We're not really going to cover your games. Uh, Rennes, probably quite happy that we're not. Marseille, well done. Yeah, you've got to win, but it's all very much too late. Scored. And they scored. did score, score and one. Who'd have thought? Two goals. And, and, goal. and as, as for Nice, special. less said mm. the better. But obviously the result of that will we'll come on to later on as to what happened after that game. But we'll, uh, we'll start with PSG. Uh Jess, I'll come to you first of all. I don't know whether this was, and I'll be interested what, what uh, side of the coin Phil got from this as well, but I don't know about you, Jess, English coverage was very, I know this is a massive shock to all, but I felt it was very unfair on PSG in terms of that. a lot of people said that they were quite fortunate and it was all about how Man United didn't take advantage and blah, blah, blah. I actually thought they did quite well. Okay, yes, there were periods of this game where um, you know, they, they sat off and, and they invited the pressure, but particularly the first, first 10, 15 minutes thought they were very good. What I really liked was the in-game uh, switch of formation, which Tuchel employed, which you know we've criticised him recently for being not the great tactician. I felt that he, this, this change really, really helped the game. And, and I, I thought PSG were actually quite good. What was your overall summary of their win at Old Trafford and setting up a a likelihood of a passage through if they can win on the final day?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was was probably sort of both teams in their current state in a nutshell. Um, So Man United are probably a little bit more reliant on individual um, ability and Solskjaer's lack of managerial ability probably did for them. There's obviously been a lot of focus on the fact that... um, Fred wasn't substituted when he was desperately looking for a red card and to be fair in, in sort of complimenting PSG it's probably also fair to note that they were certainly not done any favours by by the referee or the VAR or, or whoever made the decision to keep Fred on but in terms of PSG themselves I thought it was definitely the, the best that they've looked for a while there was a little bit more sort of team cohesion more um, motivation and um looking like they cared which is sort of the basic Uh thing that you'd expect from any team but that we don't always get from psg and as you said i think that they they were on top to start with they got pegged back united probably were on top for sort of the end of the first half and the beginning of the second and then um yeah it was um uh Tuchel's changes and you know he's been criticised a lot some of it fair some of it unfair but um, it was probably his change the tactical change and a couple of substitutions that really turned the match Um, and I think PSG probably deserved that win overall there's you know again in terms of um, sort of both teams in a nutshell you also had a bit of Neymar shithousery to, Mm to sort of please or annoy his critics. Um you had Marquinhos as usual, sort of um you know taking a lead on the pitch, off the pitch, in defence, in midfield, in attack. Yeah. Um, yeah, he had a bit of everything. And I'm I'm still not convinced about the team as a whole, but again, that when they want to put it together, um, they can, at least to an extent, and at least against the Limited United and mm. there's been a lot of criticism of mbappe who's gone i don't know if it is over a year or will, it will be over a year soon without scoring but in some ways he's actually added a little bit more to to his game with with a few assists now as well and and he did have a although he sort of missed that chance quite late on he also um played a big part in a couple of the goals and and he's still sort of invaluable to the team
0: yeah yeah, I think I, you made a couple of good points there. About I thought Marquinhos was was excellent, and they look. There's a lot of um, focus put on Marco Verratti's importance, and he's he's yes, his, his sort of likely his place in this in the team is important. But Marquinhos,
1: for I me, just, is the one. Just very quickly, I just saw today that um, I know there's a few teams that have this, but um, PSG have a thing called the Comite des Sages, so sort of committee of wise men, um, and I think it's kind of thing you know when they if they need a delegation, speak to the coach or the president or want to discuss win bonuses and things like that. It was in the news today just because Navas and Kimpembe have been added to it, but it amused me a lot that Verati is part of the committee of wise men. <laughs> With its record of discipline, etc. and so on, yeah. yeah. Um
0: just just briefly before I, I get Phil's perspective from a French side of things, did either of you see uh, I'm not going to go into huge, great detail. Did any of you see President Kimpembe's interesting wording on his Instagram post last week? Did any of you see that? I don't know if it made news or not. I'm what, guessing. What did he say? Well, well, basically, he put up a picture of himself wearing some obnoxious uh, stuff that I wouldn't be seen dead in, although obviously fashion's never been my strong point. But the caption underneath and use of the N word I thought was a little strange. Let's just say that much. Uh, not quite, uh, and certainly, um, certainly, it's a far stronger word than that. But I just thought, as a, a man who's now captained PSG and is a full French international, I just felt that there's—I don't want to get into sort of racial politics here—but there is this sort of element of, well, if you're, uh, you know, if if you are of a certain style, I guess, um, or if you're in, particularly if in the music industry. You can use that word freely and there's no issue. But I don't know. I just felt, and reading some of the comments underneath, I don't think it went was, down particularly well. well um, was it written in English? Yes. Well, and and spelled in in that way as well. I, I'm just looking to see if the post is still up. I don't know whether maybe sense I, prevailed. but I haven't seen it, but I'd say two things. One, we've had
2: some shit in france recently about uh, police violence against uh black people um and it's and that spelling if he's working in a second language might be not exactly
0: what he intended mm. it's spelled with so, an e so make of that what you will
2: well a. i think You'd be surprised if you were on French football Twitter, what some of the things said there are.
0: Yeah. We
2: are having a bit of a thing at the moment about um, about uh, things associated possibly with Black Lives Matter, but it's a much more French uh, situation. Which yeah. Is.
0: Um, but maybe it's me not reading the room correctly violence
2: basically so yeah
0: uh, possibly that um impacts on them i think the only thing i would say is probably it's one area that might have been better steered away from but hey oh wait um, seriously
2: you've looked over the last weekend what optics have we had there
0: yeah exactly Yeah. yeah Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to football. What, what was the what was the impression sort of in in France, Phil, in, in terms of the reaction to this? Because I, I felt, let's say, Neymar and Mbappe had interesting games in terms of that they both performed well in stages and then also went missing. And Mbappe has made like he's missed was it nine consecutive games without scoring now, but they won the game. So it's you know. just uh,
2: seen as I think. Kind of an interesting game because things looked a bit shaky early on and now we've got a situation where are all Manu, PSG and Leipzig all on nine points now?
0: It is. Frantically races to get the group.
2: Given that PSG's last game is against Bazaxhia. Yeah,
0: at home uh, as well this week.
1: PSG um, only need a draw to qualify but it's weird because yeah, they're, they're ahead the of United on head-to-head but when, as long as all three of them are level then they're behind United because then yeah. it's a general goal difference and not head-to-head goal difference a
2: bit of a I, complicated one isn't it I do not understand what is going on here but, basically yes, PSG I win, I win their, their three well, the, I think again we've got the situation that they should do so if mm. they don't God help them. Yeah. In a sense, it's still a very. The fact that they're all on nine points, these three teams after five games, means, you know, Tuchel's
1: situation is still a bit touchy,
0: mm.
1: because so I think they need a draw to qualify and a win to be sure of finishing.
0: Yeah, that. a win yeah. absolutely makes it sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine points. Well, so it's.
2: It's uh, uh, just still, the idea is, in a sense, like with the league, where they're supposed to win it by 15 points, they're supposed to win their Champions League group by however many points. Mm. And they're not doing that, and that means there is still pressure and there is still tension. So, kind of have to see that. I mean... Watching that game, the Neymar, the first Neymar goal, the opener. There was some bad defending on that. Yeah, and then it was basically Fred. What the fuck? Um, and
0: Paredes got off a bit like a bit not lucky, but if you watch that closely, I mean, I mean, obviously it's very clear shit I was reading. It's very clear that he baits him, but there is a movement from Paredes into Fred as well. I think he. Um, I think uh, when I mean, when one was booked, early he could have on. both
2: when yeah. he got the when Fred got the first booking. It's mm. like, really? Uh, and then after that he it did look as several people on Twitter were saying like he, he was like actively trying to get sent off and yeah it just took a while.
0: So, uh, and then we sent off for what probably wasn't even a foul, ironically, which is still the most bizarre thing. But yeah, having gone to VAR, just, I just couldn't believe he wasn't sent off in the first place, whether you think it's intentional or not. It was just a really strange decision to make. But nevertheless, um, they got through. As I say, not going to go into detail with regards to, uh, to Ren, who unfortunately lost 4 0, and to Marseille, who did get a win, but uh, exit the competition. And barring got, a mathematical got, miracle, yeah. not going um, anywhere yeah i, I, I was mean back. It, I, I that
2: was nice
0: yeah it was, I, it
2: was absolutely bad
0: um, i sort of i sort of feel like it's a bit bittersweet when we're when we're only only sort of focusing on psg and i, and I do feel bad about that but i mean marseille in particular, haven't really done anything for us to talk about. And Ren, it's been a nice experience, but we will we'll come on to Ren in a bit because we do want to touch on their situation um, in the league roundup. up But uh, yeah, and, and barring a mathematical miracle, Marseille won't even make the Europa League. And believe me, it is a mathematical miracle and they have to beat Man City away. So don't think too much likelihood
1: of that. If it happens, we'll devote a lot to oh, it. latest. <clears throat> what and was his... First, his latest controversial qu- quote was about how teams that fell in the champions league shouldn't qualify for Europa League and he got lots of stick for that but I I agree no I agree yeah so
0: it's <laughs> so essentially always...
1: burying his own
0: team's uh prospects of doing that well, Yeah, I, I think agree.
1: people are saying you shouldn't be saying it seeing as it is or was a possibility mm. but as a general point I I absolutely agree with that I don't I think it's no, I agree. It's a second yeah, chance. Yeah, move isn't it? towards giving the bigger teams every chance to, yeah, make everything a closed club, isn't
0: it? It's the Atletico Madrid, severe thing, isn't it? You know, where they drop out of one and go win another. It's yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's strange. And bear in mind, at the end of this you week, you could beaten
2: four 0 by Oli.
0: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> and that's it's a reward been... for that.
2: Just mentioning
0: that, but it's, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you look at teams like Real and you think, well, actually, that's probably a, a good reward for them getting into the Champions League for the first time and then potentially having a second crack at a competition that they're more likely to succeed in. But then you also look at the end of this week, that's we could good. see it will do. Well, yeah, and and this is the end of a week. We could see both Real Madrid and Manchester United back into the Europa League, which you know me as a well actually let's not mention my club um we could, we could barely beat barrow at the moment but even so it sort of gives an unfair advantage if, it, if you could guarantee it was quote unquote lower clubs coming in or maybe the best two runners up maybe but the whole third place gets you in is yeah i think it's a bit strange um we should talk about leal as well before we move into the um uh, the, the weekend's action now they, they had uh, a much better evening, it didn't start particularly well but they did come out on top over Sparta Pra. I say start, they went behind in the 71st minute but Barack Yilmaz came up trumps to uh, down in the end a 10-man Sparta that when the Salutska was sent off Yilmaz got two goals in the last 10 minutes and that secured Lille's Presence into the next stage, uh, they will qualify from Group H. There's still a little bit of work to do though, because they've got 11 points. Milan have got 10. Um, Jez, did you uh, did you see this this particular second leg? And, and do you fancy them to to go to? I mean, Celtic. I think they only drew again at the weekend. There's all sorts of mess up there. Lila are away to Celtic on Thursday, um, but a win there would, would assure them top place. Uh, Milan are away in Prague. Do you, do you sort of see them progressing as? Top dogs, or is it just a question of qualifying, and that's the most
1: important thing? I think qualification is the main thing, but it would be nice if, um, just because of their impressive results against Milan, it would be nice if if they did top the group. Um, but you know, the, I think they only drew against Celtic in the first match, so it would be good to see them sort of with a nice statement win to to finish the group stage. But the main thing is, I think, to qualify. And frankly, even if they don't, it could turn out into a brand as a sort of blessing in disguise for them, considering they're, they're how well placed they are in the league to to maybe really challenge PSG this season. Mm. Um, but certainly, I think based on what we've seen so far in the group, they certainly deserve to to go through. And and you know have been have been at least as impressive in Europa as they have in the league, despite being put in quite a tough draw.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that group was no was no joke originally. I mean, okay, yeah, Celtic have had an awful time, but you know, I don't think anyone could have forecast how bad they would have been. And, and Prague have shown with their two wins that they weren't any mugs. But it is Milan and Celtic, that, uh, Milan and Leo, sorry, that will go through. It's just a question of which order. And uh, yeah, I'm sure um, Leo will feel that they've got the squad to progress. Uh, as I say, they just need. Uh, I mean, essentially, they are through, but they they just need to better Milan's result or equal Milan's results in the final games to push through. And as we said earlier on, on, PSG need to win. So that's the European games. Um, We'll bring it back to League R this week. And uh, that is where we sort of start the the big news. Uh, Nice didn't have a a particularly fun evening in the Europa League. Um, Where have we said that? I think we've said that a number of times. But um, ultimately, that was the straw that broke the Camel's back or Patrick Vieira's back, which sounds a bit horrific. But, you know, they lost at home to Leverkusen by three goals to two. Ironically, These they
2: looked like they were trying.
0: They really, yeah, they, they really did. I mean, they were behind early to DRB, Kamara equalised, Dragovic put the UASA back in front and Doi equalised and then Baumgartlinger got the wing at winner. They, they were fighting, you know, there, there was some spirit there, but ultimately it had the whiff of a look, we all know what's coming, but we'll put in a shift to make sure that the players aren't blamed type performance. Maybe that's harsh, but that's how it felt. And, uh, and Vieira has gone. Um, we'll talk about his replacement in a minute, but inevitable, Phil, in the end, despite sort of everything that, that's that been I built for him? There. In a sense, it, it felt
2: inevitable from an optics point of view. Uh, you can argue about sensibility, but I think the problem was that they had some good results. viera has been in charge for a while. They had decent end finishes and stuff. There just didn't seem to be any plan. And some of the uh, staff movements, shall we say, didn't make a lot of of sense. And then you're in a situation where Dante is your only kind of senior centre-back, and then he gets out on an injury, and there's nobody left. It did feel very unmanaged. And I think that's the worry that the Nice higher-ups, and certainly quite a lot of the fans, thought that there was no real plan. There was possibly a plan A, but after that you were lost. And so that seems to have been... You know what did for them? They're still not badly out of shape. They're eleventh in the league, but it's yeah. It was more. I think they could have held on for longer, but I think we all know it would have got worse.
0: Yeah. That 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 was the concern for me. I, I watched their the game at the weekend, which which incidentally ended nil nil at, at Rams. Which um, I say watched, you could hardly see it. It was very foggy, but um, your... one football nil. Yeah, it very much was that. Um, what was your sort of thoughts on it, Jez? Was it fairly inevitable? I mean, I. I've listened to a couple of different podcasts on this and more and, and so like the official podcast they were sort of saying that it wasn't, it wasn't sacking season it would be strange to sack any coaches at the moment but it just had the whiff of to me it was like nothing was improving you, you'd watch Nice and they would just do the same things over and over again and and Vieira just seemed to be beleaguered so I mean it ultimately seems like a good decision given the circumstances is, it, is that fair or you know I know we've done this to death a little bit but did you, did you ha- Were you shocked at all when you saw that the, the decision was made
1: no the, I mean the only thing is it, it just it felt like the, the tide sort of turned very quickly that there wasn 't any talk of it, and then suddenly it was pierre under pressure, and suddenly a day later he 's gone um, but I just you know the fact that we 've spoken about i think this is the third or fourth week in a row that we 've spoken <laughs> about it maybe suggests that it, it had been coming i mean there are mitigating circumstances. You take his first season and he effectively played the whole season without a striker, even though Balotelli was was kind of there physically. He certainly wasn't there mentally or motivationally or anything like that. So he was, he was kind of doing it without a striker. Last year, he did have more players, but they came in very late, so he didn't have a pre-season with them. This year... I've seen some people argue that they're not good signings. I disagree. I think he, whether it was down to him or or those above him, I thought they brought brought in a really good group of players, a nice mix of of young and old, some decent talent. And they should have been, I think they should be doing better with what they've got. And it maybe goes down to, funnily enough, the kind of Arsenal thing as well, where, you know, either play lovely football and then you might be forgiven for not getting the results or if you're going to play dirge, then make sure you win every match Mm. and kind of like everything in, in his management, it just felt somewhere in between. So he was you know, scraped to a couple of decent finishing positions in his first two seasons. He played around with formations, um, you know, was saved a few times by, two or three players who who maybe um, at different ends of the pitch would, would kind of flatter flatter Nice. Um I remember I think his first season he kind of there were two or three times where they sort of lost 4-0 and bounced back with wins, which shows that he had something and, and maybe some influence over the changing room. But as you said, nothing was improving. And not only nothing as in style, as in position, as in um just kind of stature as a team but the players weren't improving and I said there were there were some good young talented players there none of them you can't really think of any player that's pushed on I mean you could say maybe Greary but you can't say he's pushed on it's just he's been given the chance that everyone's been waiting for him to have for two or three years now anyway you know players like Claude who who came in with such such potential looking like such talents he hasn't gone anywhere. If anything, he's gone backwards. Even Red An- Ren Adelaide, okay, accounting for the fact that he signed relatively late and and needs to get used to a new club, he's done nothing since he came in. Um, you know, other players like Saar, for example, kind of stagnated under Vieira, whether it's because of um, the position he was played in or not. The fact is he didn't improve. He arguably went backwards as well. So on the face of it, you can say, well, you know, five matches, um, five defeats in a row, it can happen. One of them is against Bayer Leverkusen, even if it was at home. So maybe, um, you know, it's a bit harsh to to judge someone on that. And certainly, you know, the, the fact that that was the final straw maybe is a little bit harsh, but just it feels like, Everything over the last three, two and a half years has been kind of leading up to this. And if if they'd shown anything in the past and could, that you could cling to and say this is just a little bit of a bad run, um, and we have every confidence he's going to pull us out of it, then fine. But nothing has indicated he's going to do that. And I think probably actually, although they waited till after the Leverkusen match, you know, losing at home to Dijon who'd scored five goals all season, who hadn't won a match yet all season, who totally outplayed them at the Allianz. I think that was the final straw. and, mm-hmm. and It wasn't, you know, it didn't feel like one of those freak matches where, I don't know, Nice dominated and were hit on the break two or three times. Dijon were very, very good for that win. And yeah. I think that was when the sort of alarm bells became a little bit deafening. Yeah,
0: it's almost like let a new coach come in without the pressure of, of potentially still having a chance in the Europa League. Let's let's start off without any chance and let's go with fresh in the league. Almost um, that new man um, is technically not a new man because he was the assistant at Nice previously. Uh, Adrian, we believe believe the pronunciation is asay, asci, whichever you prefer. Um, he's Romanian, asay, something like that. Uh, we'll call him Adrian for now. Um, yeah, he's Romanian by birth, fifty-three years old, um, formerly a uh, an international midfielder, um, has, has been various different places. He's managed in Switzerland, most nice notably with Servette. He's also been a technical director in in Switzerland as well before becoming part of the uh, the, the coaching setup at Nice in twenty sixteen. I wouldn't say it's um, a safe move. I don't know if that's fair, but it does seem slightly. Uh, either they've got a hell of a lot of belief in, in in this this guy, or there's an element of I think we said Phil before the product, a bit, bit caretakery. Um, no, I, I assume he's a caretaker. Apparently, it is official as not as, a, as well. It, apparently it whatever is they say on
2: their website, I assume yeah. he's a caretaker. We're seventh uh, of December. Yeah. Uh I assume he's a caretaker. <laughs> I can't say anything more than that because, you
1: know, there isn't a lot people, to, to judge yet. Yeah,
2: people there? bimbling around. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. The only bit that strikes well, me. Well, he
1: was from... the. He was, um, I think he was Favre's assistant when yes. he was coached. Yeah. Then went away and then came back,
0: came back again, um,
1: yeah. under Vieira. So he knows the club well. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's internal. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I didn't say with Vieira with is obviously he had lots of issues with, you know, he came in because Fournier and Riviere were there. Yeah. He felt very betrayed when they left. They came back and sort of found some kind of uneasy truce. So yeah. with all the politics going on there, maybe they felt it is better to have someone who, who knows the club very well, rather than bring in someone from the outside who needs to get, Used to all of that sort of. If they're yeah. basically writing
2: off this season and saying this is a stability season, mm. and then let's go again next year.
0: Because Ineos is basically, you know, everything to do with Nieces is, is through that. That that is, you know, the business model is more important to to those in place rather than the necessarily the team on the pitch. At least they get that feeling. It's it's weighted so heavily towards the business side. Is a bit of a concern i guess but then like you say if i if, say yours you know is coming in and is used to that i suppose you could look at it from two ways one like you said is familiarity which is a good thing two you would say is there an element of not really a new voice because the players already know him i suppose well, i suppose we're gonna we're gonna see i'm never sure how much control an assistant manager has under um a previous boss and i guess sometimes um you know, we'll come on to a, a, a person who's been uh, promoted from internally where it starts well and doesn't end so well. But yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see for a better sample size. The nil 0 draw with Rams wasn't a good judge because they say, A, you could hardly see anything and B, it was just sort of days after Vieira's departure. Um, so that was that covered. Speaking of other managerial news, uh, Jez, there's another manager under quite a bit of pressure at the moment and that is one Christian Gorkouf at Nantes. I think if you were to say... Uh, you're under pressure coming into a home home game and you were to select an opponent to have other than L'Oreal, <clears throat> uh, you probably would have said Strasbourg at home would be the sort of game you'd want. And then you lose 4-0, uh, albeit two of those being penalties. It, it's it's kind of leaving Gorkhoof in a bit of an awkward position. There's a story going around at the moment that the president is already looking at the aforementioned Patrick Vieira, as well as Laurent Blanc, who's been out of the game since leaving PSG. Um, doesn't bode well for Gorkouf, does it?
1: No. Um, I j- <laughs> it's kind of sad because Nantes are sort of a very traditional French club who very famously and traditionally have always played fantastic football and brought through lots of very talented youngsters. And it just feels like it's been a few years now where they've been a bit of a nothingy club sort of just hanging around the, the the middle of the table, not too bothered about relegation battles, but not really challenging the top top six much either. And it's kind of sad to see. And in a way, Gukov kind of epitomises that to a point. I mean, he's a lot more sort of a promoter of, of beautiful football than say the Zakarian, who's very effective, but it's not always the nicest thing to watch, certainly mm-hmm. when he was at mm-hmm. Nantes anyway. Um, and But it, it feels more and more when you read interviews with him as well. Even, I mean, he gave an interview last week about Maradona, or a quote about Maradona, which actually I don't entirely disagree with, but he sort of made this, I, you know, maybe it's a question of timing and just you know, too soon or not really the right place. But he made a big fuss about how uh, you know, yeah, he was a great footballer, but he really doesn't understand why everyone's treating him as a god and a role model when actually he's a disgrace off the pitch and all this kind of thing. And I just I feel like more and more with is kind of a man a little bit out of his time or beyond his time. Like I get the impression he doesn't like modern football
0: and, and what it's
1: become mm. and um you know maybe he's finding it difficult to to sort of manage young players and the social media and the, the riches they've got and all that comes with it um so he's done an okay job at non probably actually better than i thought he was when when he arrived but i mean part of me thinks he's not going to take them anywhere special but at the same time i don't think he's going to take them down at all mm. um so, and obviously he's managing under Keita, he's insane. So I sort of, in a way, I kind of don't mind that Gurkus being put out of his misery and he does always seem miserable. Mm. Um, and I get it if the idea is that Keita's thinking, I guess, similarly to Vieira kind of, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, he'll, he's not, we won't go down with him but we're not going anywhere and we should be going places. We want to see progression. That's all fair enough. I just think as long as Keita's there, that's never going to happen because he's a bit too trigger happy and, and also not he's okay. He had Conseil, Sao and it was a little unlucky that he left, but generally his last two or three appointments have been sort of on the more senior side and, and, um, which seems strange seeing as he's so authoritarian, you just thought he, Prefer to have someone in there that, that's a little bit more sort of malleable than than the likes of De Zakarian and um, Halidzic and and, and Yeah,
0: I, I felt like yeah, that was the missed opportunity.
2: The coming to that group.
0: Well, that's that's the other thing, isn't it? Would he really want to come into that kind of? I guess it depends how you sell in the project. It,
2: but he's got props.
0: Yeah. Well. The the Laurent Blanc link is an interesting one to me because I, I I I maybe I'm in a, in Adam a lone Blanc chariot here. Recently
2: but, said he he's not coming back to management.
0: Oh, of course he has. Yeah, like everybody does when they're out of work and uh, you know they they've got yeah, enough money to not count. Really,
2: quite a strident
0: way. Yeah, I I I, I actually. I think he's not a bad coach. Well, I I thought he got a bit of a raw deal at PSG and I wonder if, if he's waiting for something bigger, but I do wonder if that's the sort of job that would entice him back in. Or maybe they could dip dip down to the uh the south coast and um and see what uh see what uh, Jardim was doing, see if he fancies a a trip to Nolte maybe, <laughs> yeah, although the amount of money he's got, I somewhat doubt it. But um, yeah, it's an interesting case, and, and I do want to give Strasbourg a bit of credit. I thought they were very good in this game, and if you'd have told me they'd have won this 4-0, I would have laughed, because I, just, I didn't even see them scoring four goals, let alone winning the game by four goals to nil. But it's a massive result for them, given what went on around them this weekend. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll rewind even further back now to Nîmes, uh, Nîmes nil, Marseille 2 was the opening fixture of the weekend. Benedetto scoring and valais Mart with the second was sent off
2: Five wins in a row for
0: Marseille. And yes. still have two games in hand. Up to fourth, the uh, the the roll the the wagon keeps on a rolling. Um, stick with you, Phil, for Friday. I'll save the other game oh. for in a second. Uh, Montpellier won PSG three. Uh, Coming back by with his first goal for PSG, Mbappe getting the late four a uh, third. That's his hundredth in Liga. Interesting uh, noises from him coming out that he's got certain demands if PSG want to extend his contract. Interesting there. Uh, Moise Ken also scored a, a terrific goal, albeit I thought oh, they that that could have done better at the near post. I, I hated it, but it was lovely. Yeah, it's a good finish. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yes.
2: Yeah. No, I think this was uh, a game where I think Montpellier did very well in the early stages. I was watching it and just thinking, everybody seems very close together. They were all bunching up and there were, anybody took a shot and there were loads of legs in the way. And I was thinking, maybe this will work. And then uh, the Dag- Dagba scored. Uh, Delort was out for Montpellier after his second or third COVID positive result in the
0: last Big as well, month yeah. or
2: something. <laughs> And it did make a difference. They, I think we had some up front, there were some arguments about who was actually going to be the striker. Um, and Mavadidi got the, uh, got the equaliser with a kind of, it's a really epic goal mass scramble involving loads of people falling over and uh, the referees watch buzzing. Um, but uh, there was a light flurry from Montpellier, but I think they've been broken a bit by uh, by that first goal and uh, Moise uh second. Uh, the second PSG was it was a beautiful, beautiful finish, a really tight angle, and then Mbappe gets one in injury time because of course Montpellier pouring forward, trying to get trying to get. A, um, and he cries it, and that was Mbappe's hundredth goal for PSG. He's not. See, he, he's twenty two, isn't he? Or is he twenty two later? Twenty two this month? month. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of
0: <laughs> hands up. You know,
2: whatever. And that's so, with I think
0: two injuries as well, fairly big injuries in, yeah, in that time. Yeah, I, well. I think.
2: Three one, I'd say slightly flatters PSG, but then I am slightly flattering one ever so slightly biased. (laughs) No, but I think there there was good stuff. There was a light flurry two one would have. I'd have been yeah.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was. I was grumbling after it. I thought it. I thought it was a a game that Montpellier needed the first goal. That was that was where uh, as soon as PSG went in front, I thought, "Mm," and then. And I think
2: we were set up to not concede the first goal rather than to score the first goal.
0: Keep it tight for seventeen. That was possibly the issue there. So yeah, yeah, agree. Some very
1: good attacking players
2: there, but Delort's absence was noticeable.
1: Yeah, good No, I think considering PSG's recent couple of matches in the league, which haven't gone so well, mm. um, again I thought it was actually a decent sort of progression from the the midweek match, and Di Maria found a, a little bit of form again. Even Kaua did something useful. Rafinha looked very good. Um, so, I think just from a PSG point of view, there are sort of reasons to be a little bit more cheerful after the last sort of. Four or five days, whatever, than than the the month or so at least before that.
0: Yeah, they, they remind me. Um, they remind me a bit of uh, sort of a, to use an analogy. that Premier League listeners might be familiar with. They sort of remind me a bit of, of the Liverpool Man City situation domestically in the UK, where there are two sides that you know are at some point just going to find gears and are slowly sort of waking up from the winter slumber. Um, and it feels like PSG are in that position now and I think I think qualification the the key thing now is if they qualify from the for for the Champions League they can just put full focus in pre-Christmas break and for the, the couple of weeks before the Champions League comes back in is it March it returns they've got that focus then where they can put the run together and potentially blow others away we will touch on the title race in a minute so I don't want to go too deep in that but yeah. Um, also a little shout out for, for VAR um, in France, which I've watched. I watch a lot of football, as you know, because I'm a massive nerd and have no life. And I th- I genuinely think France do VAR better than any other league. I really do. Um, some decisions which we'll come on to, um, mm. which I'm sure Jez will, <laughs> will, will nudge me about. But I think particularly the offsides, uh, the, the thing I like about or seemingly about French football is they seem to give that little bit of advantage to the attacking teams. I thought Mbappe was very close to being offside. And I think had that been a Premier League game, they probably would have flagged it um, because he certainly was leaning in front of the ball. Um, But I I feel like there's a lot of offside decisions they get right. Tackles, I think there's a way to go um, in terms of the the decisions. But I think offside, they they, they do seem to do rather well. I just wanted to slip that one in uh
2: butt in slightly. Um uh, during that match I did hear the famous phrase Hollande San is flipper" several times
0: during this game, which is basically in England that's not a foul. Yeah. Um <laughs> just like in, in Europe it's not a foul for certain things and in the league yeah. it is, yeah. 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 I, I
1: guess that's um... why no one in France will break their back like Harry Kane is soon gonna do to someone.
0: Oh don't just don't even poke that bear, Jez. Not the mood I'm in today. Don't even poke that bear. Cheating little wretch. Anyway, um let's um let's let's talk Ren, Jez. They lost at home by two goals to Nil, uh to Lance, who, you know, full credit to Lons again just continue to to defy Logic really in some of their results, Ganago and and Muniga, with the goals there. I'm going to read you a quote here from Julien Stefan and I'd like your thoughts on it. Uh, He said, We're in an extremely negative spiral. We're obliged to reconsider all of our aims. We have to remain lucid and say to ourselves that we must behave like a team that is going to have to fight against relegation. At the moment, we're not looking like a team that can fight for the European competition we know uh we have we have to be lucid repeats it again it's not about the standings it's about the dynamics and production what's happening on the pitch we're we're not mentally prepared to go through what we are going to go through and then to finish on that on his future he said if i'm the problem there is no difficulty we are sufficiently sincere enough between us inside the club to take decisions that will need to be take or need to be taken um we will speak about that at the right time um Speaking as a man who supports a team whose manager is starting to show some cracks and maybe not making a lot of sense in what he says after games, um, I've seen these sorts of quotes before um, and if I was a Ren supporter, I would be slightly concerned about those quotes from a number of angles. Um, You have been saying for for months, and credit where credit's due, that you you weren't quite as blown away like everybody else was. So what what do you make of those comments that was in, in lieu of the defeat? As I say at
1: home to Lance, I actually think they're really clever comments and they suggest that um whatever you think of him as a footballing coach, he's a he's a bloody canny media <laughs> manipulator. Good politician, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh I think the the thing about fighting a relegation battle is, is clearly bullshit. I mean, yes, they're I suppose if you look at their recent form you can say that's relegation form, but they're you know they They've fallen into that form from sort of being in first or second place. There's a lot of leeway there. It shows they've got quality. They're not going to go down. And I think, so I guess it's partly taking pressure off the players and partly, again, just kidology. And then the rest of it, I think, is just very much putting the ball in other people's courts, whether it's the players or those above him. I think it's in a lot of ways um, kind of saying... Yeah, I mean, basically saying what, what he's saying, fine, like, you know, if you either, usual thing, sort of either back me or sack me kind of yeah. thing, which itself, I think, is also a, a slight hint that maybe he thinks that his his squad isn't good enough, which I don't think is right. But I think there are, again, mitigating circumstances. I mean, they did bring in a lot of players. Um, they've even got an extra striker because I think the plan was to bring in Girassi and get rid of Niang. But this is a weird season in that there is they're in the Champions League, that's new to them or relatively new to them. Um it's obvious match you know, two matches every week, week in, week out, which is new to them. At least, you know, in previous seasons you you'll get a, a week or two break from the midweek fixtures in between. So, you know, that's a lot of adjustment and they have had some injuries. Um, so I'm not going to say I feel sorry for Ren because I don't feel sorry for them and I certainly don't feel sorry for Stefan. But I think even I would say, I think, you know, to get rid of him at this stage is probably a little bit silly because I do think those, those extra circumstances have to be borne born into account and it will be interesting to see what happens now they're out of Europe and whether there's an upturn in in their league form. If not, then, you know, definitely there's questions to be answered. But there have been rumours in the past that um, the way that he sort of manages the team is a little bit Mourinho-like in that he sort of creates a little bit of friction. And actually these these quotes sort of suggest it as well, but um, that he creates friction within the, within the changing room. And it's not necessarily clear that all the players are are behind him. Um, So I think a lot could turn on that. Has he lost the changing room or not? Um, There's certain players that you'd expect to be stepping up who aren't really. and, And Zonzi, who started the season so well, has kind of gone a little bit missing. Kamavinga has, but that's, that's different. I mean, you can't really have a go at a seventeen-year-old shirt yeah. for that. Um, sorry about the phone in the background.
0: That's his um, agent
1: calling you now. <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, in terms of strikers, I don't know. Like girassi's out, Niang's out, um, or you not know, flavor of the month. If you're relying on players like Unu and Tate, who are not sort of out and out week in week out goal scorers um then then maybe you are in a little bit of trouble but yeah it seems that there's issues all the way through the team at the moment um but I don't necessarily think you can put it all at Stefan's door yet um so so, yeah like I said I'd, I'd be surprised if they rush into getting rid of him but certainly his position's undermined a bit at the moment at the same time you can say that around this time last year they were also in a bit of a funk and they gave him you know then as well it seemed like he was only one or two matches away from the sack and massively managed to turn things around yeah um so he's done it before or you could look at it and say you know he keeps getting into these messes i don't i don't know yeah if
0: I, it feels feels a lot to me like like a manager who's you get this in particularly younger managers where Things can be going really, really well, and then all of a sudden, this is when the real test comes in. You know what I mean? Like, I think even for the best managers in the world, it's never going to be straightforward all the time, and it's how how he reacts now. But like you said, the the quotes are very clever because it very much says, especially that sort of last quote, uh, you know, about the future. Um, you know, we'll have uh, what's the line? We will speak about that at the right time. In other words, if I turn this around, we'll have another chat then. If I'm if, if I'm if I do well and uh, my contracts up, we'll have a chat then. Is
1: it's very it is very clever. Um, I think he's yeah. I think he is very mani- Machiavellian, let's say, rather than manipulative. Mm. And you know he he won the power struggle last year with um, I can't remember his name now. Whoever it was, who there are a couple of people who left when he he sort of pitched you know it's made it sort of it's them or me um so he got his people in um he it's very much his club which is kind of deserved after what he achieved the last couple of seasons um but that also means that when things go wrong maybe he should be one of the first to fall on his sword yeah
0: yeah yeah i think i think there's definitely argument an argument for that but Um, Yeah, he remained, uh, we shall see, all of a sudden it's it's ramping up in France in terms of managerial situation. And this this was the group of people that that were questioning it, or this is when he
1: he got the job, wasn't it? Well, I think it was even last year, and you know, Maurice has come in, you can't argue with his record as a recruiter, so he helped them out, bringing good players.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely one that's... Um, I, I was surprised, I'm not going to lie, seeing them, I, I thought, a game at home to Lance, who, as I said earlier, have, have had a really good season, haven't been promoted, but haven't been as good of late and have a few injury issues. I thought, oh, this is probably a good chance for Ren to turn things around, but it didn't turn out uh, that way. Um, let's have a look at the title picture now. Uh, and, Phil, I'm going to group three clubs in into one here. We've already mentioned PSG got the win. Uh, on Friday on Saturday sorry on Sunday we saw Lille come out 2-1 winners over Monaco um, in a game which um, I was really disappointed by in the end it just it just never really caught fire well maybe the mm. last 10 minutes um, Jonathan David and uh, Yusuf Yazici again uh, with the goals for Lille before Pellegri yes remember him scored for Monaco late on and we'll spare the, um, the pain but Leon. Uh, got a 3-1 winner at Metz. Depay two for the impressive, Toko Kamba has to be sent for Belaya, got one back for Metz. John Boy rather harshly, I think, sent off for Mets and even more harshly um, was uh, Ray and Shirky sent off for Lyon. But all three of those winning, um, which of the three impressed you most? I mean, you saw PSG up, up, up close I was. Australia.
2: I watched uh, Montpellier-PSG with more um, interest than the others. I've said on the Lille um, game that uh, you saw the second goal. It was uh, Zergi and Yilmaz double break because Monaco's defence just fell to pieces and the two of shot. them swept up the field together, which is rather lovely. And uh, They said it was 100% Turkey uh, mm, on Turkish the French. Tonight. um <laughs> The French commentary, and I was thinking that's so Christmassy. How can <laughs> we make that a thing? But I think Lille, you look at it's been okay, it's been a little bit iffy occasionally, but they are top of their Europa group, they beat Bars of Prague, they're looking good to top the group because they're playing Celtic. Um, and they're still second in the league they i've said it before they do seem to have got the balance right of having to play these extra games and it's not always been perfect but nobody else is perfect so i think they are the ones that i'm looking at with could they cause an issue because Lyon sounds like it was a comprehensive game on Sunday night. Didn't see it. Uh, I'll be honest, I was feeling extremely ill, so watching um, other things on television. Um, Colt Cambe is up there in the scorers' charts. He got to, um, to kind of make the win, but If you're looking at, and I know Lyon's form is better, but we've got PSG-Lyon, or is it Lyon-PSG, or it's PSG-Lyon, this Sunday is the big match. And so, Lille, meanwhile, will be playing Bordeaux, which is not going to be easy, but that that could be their chance to uh, to pull a bit ahead. So I'd say Lille are still really, really impressing me with their um, ability to deal with the kind of two-front situation they're in.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's one thing that they are doing well managing the squad, and uh, Garcia seems to have that sort of quiet authority about him in terms of getting results. Um, from the other side of things, Jez, do you... Again, I don't want to sort of drag too much of the old memories of last night up, but I I thought we should mention that Metz missed a penalty through Belay early on. I wondered how you mentioned the
1: old... VAR. I mean, it's interesting that Lopez was yeah, actually on the six yard line when he I thought that. Ball.
0: I thought that, yeah. I, I think I think we were on we were on alone in our little island thinking that because I did think at the time I thought that's a strange decision. Um, and I do I, I, I was impressed. I thought Toko Kambe actually was was pretty decent last night. Depay again, fits and starts. The the Husamo our assist was was well classed for for the second goal. I have to say that much. But um, again, he'll,
1: he'll vanish for the next six weeks. No, well, I
0: was, no. I was just going to say it was the only thing he did in the game apart from missed two good chances as well. But um, but yeah, it was it was a quality assist. But yeah, what's your kind of thoughts, it, having seen Leo up close, and we know what we're getting from PSG, we've seen what Lyon can, can provide, and I will just stress, because I'm sure Marseille fans are a bit upset, they're in this title race, if there is a title race as well. Um, so we, we won't leave Marseille out of the conversation, but just for the benefit of this, I want to focus on the other three, and of course Monaco as well. But do you have a, I mean, do you even think there is a title race, or do you feel that we're... We're getting a bit excited about nothing before PSG just railroaded the league and run off in January.
1: You mentioned the the gears earlier. I mean, again, PSG should, if they want to, run away with it. But this is a quirky season and there are lots of issues there that I think are going to make things not as straightforward as they have been at times in the past for them. So, yeah, I, I do think it could be a title race. I mean... At the very least, I think it could be a bit like the Bundesliga last year where it was quite exciting until a little bit after Christmas and then Bayern ran away with that. <laughs> mm. Um maybe we'll have that, which at least is, is if we can get n- to Easter,
2: that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, still a still a game at Easter and then we'll eat our eggs and then
0: whatever happens. happens. So games mean something essentially. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess on the other side of it, the, the more teams that are involved, the more they'll end up taking points off each other. And if, if PS or PSG need to do is make sure that yeah. they get their points off all of them and then and then they'll still finish on top. I mean, I did expect them to win, but the fact that Lille is still up there despite also having European competition, the fact that Marseille is still up there despite having been awful, and now they're finding form, is, mm. that's kind of, in a way, you know, good for them. It's the cliche about if you're playing, you know, it's the mark of champions to still be winning when you're playing badly. Um, Lyon, I think, as we always say, should really on paper be a clear second every single year and have only underachieved. But again, it might work in their favour that they're not playing in Europe this year. Um, And a little bit like Lille, they've they've got a lot of talent sort of up front. I know I've I've still got my reservations about Tokio canby and Cadawera, but they have their moments. can scored two yesterday, Caduera scored two against Sant Etienne. Um the obviously can blow Hilton Cole, but generally is, is very effective as well. Um so Dembele scored his first goal, has lost form, but at some point you think he'll come good as well. So you sort of you think they're 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 not necessarily playing the greatest football, but again, there does seem to be a little bit more of a kind of cohesion and a direction to to their play. Um, And they've got enough individuals that when that doesn't happen, they'll probably, in the same way that PSG often do, eke out results from one piece of of brilliance from someone somewhere. Um, Paqueta really, so far, has looked really good as well. Um, So I think they should... For me, it should be Lille or Lyon really challenging PSG and and I'd hope that at least one of them manages to do that. Um, I feel like Lille have got a more positive dynamic overall just because the fans seem a little bit more behind them. um, The coach isn't sort of being undermined every two minutes or so. Um, So I'm kind of... If I had to pick one, I'd probably say that Lille are more likely to stay the course but They'll probably implode now. <laughs> yeah, they put the kiss of death on them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm with you. I, I think Leo. You know, are, are the ones that I, I sort of base it upon watching each side more than three times this season collectively, and every and all the times I've watched these sides, Leon are always the team that seem to to do just about enough. Marseille are always the team that win games, and I still scratch my head afterwards, going, "Huh?" Um, Monaco are like the the, the the sort of the fun young team that you feel will probably burn out at some point which actually i hope doesn't happen because they have been pretty good to watch but there were signs in the in the Lille game yesterday where i just felt um in that big game they, they just froze uh, an interesting exchange between um Kovac and Ben Yeda as well when he was substituted that didn't particularly go down too well with ben Yeda from what i can see um and then uh, and then obviously you've got psg who we all know about so um we're not going to put onger in the title race by the way sorry onger fans but <laughs>
1: Yeah. The one thing I'd say about Lille is that um, sort of the post-Europe matches they've it's weird you'd have thought they'd sort of peter out but they seem to start badly and then improve yeah, stronger yeah yeah you know, agree. they gave Brest that 3-0 head start and lost 3-2 Santeti and that come from behind yes, uh, yesterday it took them a while to, oh,
0: to, to break Monaco
1: yeah. um, and you know it might affect them PSG used to being in Europe assuming they get through this week but um Lille it's this is new for them to to sort of yeah this far into it and be having to play two matches every week Marseille won't have that anymore Lyon haven't had that anyway yeah so that might affect them at some point and injuries is going to be key isn't it I mean, you know you think maybe Gaultier is the guy that
2: would be able to manage
0: that yeah so fast so good I mean you know as I said tactically and and managing his squad I mean he, again Jonathan David came in yesterday looked lost for a long period of time then scored a really good goal <laughs> it's a strange one Barack Yelmaz is defying his age at 35 I think he is um, and is consistently scoring goals he is easily having his best best uh, and breakout season uh, I think Mike Manion has been pretty impressive as well in, in the sticks so yeah. it, there's plenty going well for them and not to mention Sven Botman at the back so yeah, um, long may it continue. I mean, you know, we won a title race at the end of the day. That, that's what we're all here for. Um, just quickly, we'll run through the rest of the results. And then uh, Jez has got some um, World Cup. Yes, you heard me right. Some World Cup news for us all. Uh, aforementioned mentioned, uh hosted Lorient on Saturday, on Sunday. Sorry, you can probably work out the rest. Yeah, uh, there's another defeat for, uh, for for Lorient there. Fulgini and Capel with the late goal. Um, Lorient had a very late penalty. Um, decision ruled out against which I thought was a bit iffy but you know I won't get too salty. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about Bordeaux, but in the interest of time I'm going to save that for another day but just to say that I watched them against Brass the full 90 minutes Yeah really good goal as well. Um, Lassonnier who's had a really good season in goal for Brass, was livid because it's the one time when Brass backed off and, and three of them <laughs> backed off and Banalfa found the one spot that probably no no other player would have found and it was a really good goal but been quite impressed with, um, with with what they've been doing of late. Just quietly moving back into some form. Um, I'm beating in three now, and they, they just look like a side that might be all right on the up. Yeah. yeah anyone
1: else? It would be like the keeper was unsighted and should have done better with a shot at his near post. But because it's Ben Arfa, it's oh he found a space that no one else oh. would have found. I, I was I was torn because I, in the week where I've, I've, looked, I've looked at a lot of goalkeepers
0: and thought, oh, we should do better than not least my own clubs, but um, I did I did think it was a very if you see it from a I think it's a replay from behind the goal, um, he he's sort of dribbling into classic Ben Arfa land where it looks like he's going nowhere and taking the whole team with him, but he just has a, a quick look up and spots the gap. Um, and I just I did think it was a really good finish so I'm going to give it to him on this occasion but I know what you mean it is there is a little bit of a I think even the commentary team said that it's always been Alpha just trying to do everything himself which um,
2: as we've discussed before he may need to do everything himself because of the rest of
0: the, yeah, the finishing uh, wasn't the uh, best. I think it's fair to say. Um, as much as I like Huang, he had a few. Um, one in particular, well, horrid miss.
2: Speaking but, of uh, finishing not being good, I think the last game we're going to go to is, Dijon Saint Etienne.
0: Yep, nil nil. Another nil nil. Um, okay. I didn't see any of the highlights of this. I don't think I missed much. But that
2: any. Um, so that's ten without a win for Saint Etienne and. I was watching this for my sins and I heard a stat and didn't note the details down because it went too fast. So Duncan Alexander, who is oily sailor on Twitter, uh, confirmed this to me. Lovely guy, very fast response. Um, Saint-Etienne, this season, have had two games where they have... They've had no shots on target. That was against Metz and Montpellier, and only one shot on target against Lance and Brest. They've lost all four of those games. Um, they did manage to pull themselves together later on in this game, but it still ended nil-nil. They are, they are tumbling.
0: Yeah, I I'm unbeaten in two though. <laughs> <laughs> two two successive draws now. They're on the up.
2: No, um,
0: no. Yeah, I, I know mean, what you mean. That's that's bad. I'm, I'm quite. All I'll say is I'm quite glad I'm not a Saint Etienne fan because the thought of watching Arsenal and Saint Etienne well, both not shooting, fucking furious at them. Jesus, I um, I can't um, even imagine a shot on
2: target. That is a very problematic
0: situation. Tell me about it. Yeah, tell which me about it. Is the the issue? Yes, uh,
2: they have a decent backline, a decent midfield, and then yeah, and
0: then it all goes horribly wrong up top. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. sounds a lot like my uh, yeah. team close to my heart. But yeah, um,
2: but Claude could be another manager who is
0: walking a slightly tight right? when you consider that potentially
2: in a difficult situation because. St Etienne, we know they had uh, stuff in the past and that's how the last guy
0: got fired. And if Gorku's under pressure in Nantes are in 14th and Etienne are just below them in 15th, I mean, that sort of speaks, speaks volumes. Um, one to keep a close eye on coming into the Christmas break, methinks, but uh, yeah, uh, that was the week that was. Um, I will come back to the fixtures for this weekend at the end of the pod, but just before we get there... Uh, just we and it sounds mental because I mean, what with the world and everything, and Euros being off and then on next year, and all this, it sounds nuts to to talk about Qatar 2022, but we are uh, less than two years away from the next World Cup, and we know who France's uh preliminary draw for uh opponents is. Um, fill us in if you will,
1: yeah. So, France. We'll have to try very hard not to qualify for the World Cup (laughs) because I can't keep up with all the rules of the different draws, but whatever it is, I think for them, the fact that they've, their nation's league showing means that they've got like a third chance to qualify, even if they fail to sort of top the group and or get to the playoffs or whatever. But anyway, their group is uh, Ukraine, Finland, Bosnia, Herzegovina and Kazakhstan, um, so, obviously, Ukraine and Finland are relatively familiar in that France played both teams, effective B teams, recently in friendlies. Ukraine, they won 7-1, and Finland, they contrived to lose 2-0. Um, so, certainly not to be taken lightly, and obviously, Ukraine there's the relatively recent memory of that um, World Cup playoff where France came from 2-0 down. After the first leg to win 3-2, and you know everything that's come since, probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that. Bosnia Herzegovina. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know those about them except that. All right, um, Pjanic is is the kind of star midfielder, and obviously knows France <laughs> well from from his time at Mess and Lyon. Mm. Um, and Kazakhstan. I'm not even sure, to be honest, whether France have ever played them before. Um, the
2: French have women play. have, so we can
0: look to that for, you know,
2: good a little thoughts.
1: bit of
0: intel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> particularly on the venues, you'd imagine. But yeah, I can't, I can't think of the time they played each other before. Um, would it be fair to say Ukraine and Bosnia are the two that you would look at and go tougher away
1: trips? But
0: I mean, I, suppose,
1: I don't want to sort of. Un- I mean, look, Finland, Finland, anymore. are sort of the third pot, I guess. Yeah, it's certainly. I mean. France is certainly going to get a lot of air miles, which isn't ideal, I don't think.
0: No, no, Yeah, as you say, trips to Ukraine, Bosnia and Kazakhstan, depending, of course, what the world looks like when these games kick off, which at time of recording, we don't know when the fixtures are going to be uh, assembled, if you will, because that takes a bit of time to get all that up to to speed. Is this going to be
2: the Winter World Cup or are they
0: still planning on playing it in... Think as far as I know, it's still going to be winter because of the the conditions in Qatar, and they've spent all this money on on uh, drone air conditioners or whatever it is they've got over there. And and, and bear oh, in mind, no. this is this is 2022 January, so it'll be next season that we see a, a slightly odd um, league format across Europe where the teams sort of change their schedules to accommodate oh. the next World Cup. But that said, I guess that also depends on how they if the Euros go ahead next year. When the teams get a break, so I, I'll be fascinated to see how how uh, FIFA cock this one up because I'm sure they will cock it up. <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, also the women's Euros and the
2: men's Euros taking place in the same year in mind, Yeah, oh.
0: it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I suppose with you know various vaccines and whatnot being uh, being trumpeted, potentially we might all be in a very different place in six months' time. But who knows? So I guess. Um, Stay tuned for the next exciting episode. Um, Speaking of the next episode, we're going to bring this episode to a close. Just before we go, look ahead to the weekend's fixtures. I think we've got two more rounds before the Christmas break. Uh, This particular weekend, we've got St Etienne Angers on the Friday night, which you have to feel is is a big one for St Etienne at home. Uh, Marseille, Monaco. That looks a bit scrummy, doesn't it? That's that's four o'clock on Saturday. Five versus four. Yep. So that's good. Yields. Uh, Laws against Montpellier is the yeah. at, is the uh, afternoon, the evening game on Saturday. That's 8pm UK time. Uh, we've got Nice against Rennes, the two out-of-form giants is a bit rich, but the two out-of-form larger clubs, shall we say, is the midday slot on Sunday, followed by the multiplex games at 2pm. Brest against Rams. that might be a bit of fun. Uh, Lorient against Nîmes, probably won't be. Nantes against Dijon, again, Pressure on Nantes to get a result there, you'd feel. And Strasbourg host Metz, And then in the afternoon, you've got Lille at Bordeaux, which may well be worth a watch. And there's a, a fairly decent game on, on Sunday night. PSG host Lyon. And you would suspect uh, Rudy Garcia has already come out with fighting talk saying that we're not going to Paris to lose. Well, I guess we'll see on that one, Rudy. But uh, yeah, that, that's got to be the standout fixture of, of the weekend. Does anybody know? I forgive me. I didn't do my research on this one. Rudy Garcia was um, getting a lot of um, uh, aggro from the Mets um, coaching staff last night for for relaying instructions onto the pitch because he was in the stands. What was he banned for? Was this to do with the previous game Leon had in the league, or is this something that I've missed? Does anybody know? Oh, I'm not I
1: sure to be honest I just yes. know that Antonetti was not a fan of Garcia <laughs> you
0: know, and, and he made that very clear verbally I think he got booked on the sidelines as well and yeah you could clearly see Garcia was was giving instructions um, and because there's no crowds it's very easy to do that so putting him in the stands seemed like a strange thing but I don't know why he was banned so um, I'll have to look into that but yeah he, he certainly had a ban and was in the stance um, for that particular game. So uh, there we go. I'm presuming you both are looking forward to that game amongst that that calendar uh, in terms of the weekend's action. Yeah, I think that's for me. It's Marseille, Monaco, Lille, Bordeaux, Paris,
2: Lyon. Is basically sorting out my evenings uh, over the weekend coming up because yeah, those are you know all of the the top five involved and. Um, interesting interesting matchups given that none of them are in spectacular form so let's
0: see what happens yeah decent decent luck um yeah i i thought the same um just same for you
1: yeah i mean that strasbourg match just cuz it's a local derby and, um, yeah true.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: just comes as an interesting time cuz mess have sort of lost form and strasbourg have just found some so
0: yeah, should be a decent, decent old uh, affair, and um, and, and Max...
1: there's the whole. Diallo subplot as well. oh, Of
0: course. Yeah. And and, and I've, I've met actually, it's the first time I've seen you live since the Lorraine game. And I actually thought you played pretty well last night, to be fair. It's just Leon took advantage of the, particularly the second goal time wise, was a killer. And, and obviously, that missed penalty it could have been a very different game. Um, by the way, for those of you wondering about Rudy Garcia, because I'm sure you need to know before you put the, uh, the podcast down, um, he was banned for one match due to uh, a culminate accumulation of yellow cards, would you believe? So just like players, apparently, managers yeah, have this. Yeah. Well. get booked oh yeah yeah you
2: yeah, could only get sent off
0: oh that's been oh, in for a while it now opens up a whole
2: new world
0: so. yeah, yeah 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 managers can get booked and, and dismissed as players can now and they and what i didn't realize is they can also be banned for accumulation so that was the reason so he'll be back in the dugout for the psg game whether he'll want to be at the end of the 90 minutes i guess we'll have to uh, look at that next week so um, Oh, it'll be closer to throw stuff won't it there is that there's that not that we advocate that of course <laughs> 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 unless your team is playing particularly badly no way i'm joking um, <laughs> anywho we will leave it there um, thank you uh, for tuning in as always um, just a quick heads up in advance by the way during the christmas period unless anything groundbreaking happens we'll probably also take a little bit of a break so um just in case you you wonder where we disappear to that'll be why because like everybody else we have a little break as well Um, well there's there's
2: two more rounds because they they throw in um a a kind of a midweeker.
0: yeah Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like the German teams do as well. Don't they have one more sort of midweek round? So yeah, we'll um, we'll, we'll obviously let you know when that happens. You know, it won't just be silence. But uh, yeah, unless anything groundbreaking happens in in the break, um, or unless there's anything special we want to discuss, then we'll probably take a little bit of time off as well. well feeling
1: there's three more rounds.
2: Yeah, hang on. I just spotted. Have I have, I, have um, I thrown this, us under
0: a bus? It, You're well, right. It says actually, yeah. we've got a round on Wednesday, the twenty third. Is there four? <laughs> I think-
1: yeah, um, oh, crikey.
0: Oh, so, oh yeah, actually, it, so th- there's actually a round on the 23rd of December. I've met, mi- I completely forgot. So, so we've got four this rounds. This weekend, <laughs> next, next weekend. midweek, yeah, and the weekend, weekend after, and
2: then the 23rd.
0: Two days oh before. my lord! Twenty third, and then we come back on the fifth. So we're basically what we're saying is we're going to have a week off and ignore everything I just said. That's yep. what we're essentially saying there. So, uh, so yeah, also, just fast forward. If anybody
2: that would it. like to write about any of the four upcoming <laughs> rounds of matches, let, let us know. touch. Yeah, oh.
0: absolutely. <laughs> Mm. a busy a busy time awaits so uh yeah apologies that's what happens listener when you uh completely misread a fixture calendar just for those of <coughs> you listening at home anyway we will leave it there and uh we will of course be across all of those games god knows what we're going to do with the midweek fixtures but we'll work something out so uh until then uh right um good luck to you both for your teams at the weekend uh, thank you very much phil thank you very much jess thank you, thank you. And uh, until then, enjoy all your French football, all four rounds of it. We'll see you next week. Till then, bye bye.